0: Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Welcome to CWC Bay Area. I'm Pastor Dan, and it's such an honor once again to be with you. Thank you for tuning in this morning to our service. We are so blessed that you've chosen to be part of CWC Bay Area this morning. I just want to take a moment just to say thank you. I want to thank each and every one of you. Those of you that have been signing on online week after week, being part of our online service, we want to let you know how much we appreciate you. And those of you that have been coming out to the live parking lot services as well, we have been having some great services, wonderful time of live worship and sharing the word. And I tell you what, I enjoy preaching to you. I enjoy sharing the word, but there's something about being able to preach to people and getting a response And I tell you what, if you haven't come come out to one of our parking lot services yet, make a plan to come out with us. And if you're still afraid about getting around people, you could social distance still, even by being part of the parking lot service. We're wearing masks and we're having people, some people are staying in the cars, some are coming out of their cars, but everything is being done live and we want to invite you to be part of that. I also want to say thank you to all of you that continue to give so faithfully and so Uh, selflessly as well. Thank you for those that give online. Thank you for those of you that are giving in the mail and so forth. We just want to say thank you. Without your help, we couldn't get the the equipment necessary, the cameras and the equipment and so forth, the lights to be able to put this on. And we want to say thank you because we're getting ready to open up our live services on starting October, the end of October. We are going to have our live services here in the sanctuary. And you're going to have to sign up for those and we're looking forward to seeing you and being able to celebrate the name of Jesus with you listen for the past few weeks we just started a series of messages called I love my church come on say that with me I love my my church now growing up I couldn't say that because I I really didn't love church in fact I didn't like church a whole lot because I was born and raised in a Spanish church so they spoke a language that I didn't understand and I usually spent more time behind the church getting spanked and uh, getting corrected because I wouldn't stay still in church we didn't have iPads we didn't have games and things like that to keep us uh, busy now nor did we have children's ministries where we could go in and be ministered to so I struggled in those times, but I want you to know something today. In the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 18, as you turn there, I want to read what Jesus tells to Peter and the disciples. And Jesus says this in verse 18, Now I say to you that you are Peter which means rock, and upon this rock, upon this confession where Peter had just said you are the Christ, the Son of the Living God, Jesus responds to him and says upon this rock, upon your confession Peter, I will build my church. Everyone say my church. See, the church doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. This is God's church. And he says, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. In fact, I need you to understand when Jesus says my church, what he's doing is he's showing a difference between the church, the secular church and the gospel church. Jesus is saying the world has a church. The Greeks have a church, but I have a church as well. The Greeks had a group of people that came together and they were called the ecclesia. They were called the church. They were the called out ones. They were the ones that gathered together in the city square whenever there was a crisis, whenever there was a problem, and they came together to solve whatever crisis, whatever famine, whatever economic situation, whatever pandemics were going on. They came together to determine how to get through that time. They they came together. In fact, church is probably isn't the right English word to use, a better word would be gathering or congregation. So what Jesus is saying, I will build my congregation, my gathering will come together, and the gates of hell will not come against my gathering. You see, the church is not just a place that we meet, it is a people. It's more than just a place, it is a people. And so that's why it's important to understand. 1 John chapter 4 verse 20 says this, that if someone says I love God but hates uh, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. Not my words. This, these are God's words. That person is a liar. For if we do, don't do love people we can see, how can we love God whom we can't see? So when we don't like people in the church, we're literally saying that we don't love God because God is love and if God is dwelling in us, then love should flow through us. Come on, somebody. So I want to encourage you today. This morning, I want to challenge you. Stop coming to church and start being the church. When I say stop coming to church, many of you have already stopped coming to church, but I want to encourage you become the church. Don't just come to church. Be the church. Be who God intended us to be. And I want you to recognize the church. Well, the Apostle Paul gives us three breakdowns of who the church is. He talks about the global church or the universal church. He talks about the local church where we gather to worship. That CWC Bay Area is a local church. And then he talks about the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is you individually. So I want you to capture this. We have the global or universal church that all of us are a part of, Every church that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Then you have the local church where we gather, where you gather, and we come to worship. And then we have the individual church, the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So when we say church, church can mean so many different things, but there are so many different denominations, so many different churches. You got the, the Methodist, you got the Lutheran, you have Baptist, you have Pentecostal, Assembly of God, Church of God in Christ. uh, You got all these different denominations that are out there, but I need you to understand what unites us, that if you believe that Jesus came in the flesh, is the Son of God, died on the cross, rose on the third day for our sins, and is coming back for us, then it doesn't matter what label you carry, that you are my brother and sister in Christ. See, God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has first generation, and all of us, although we may focus in on different aspects of the gospel, the one thing that unites us, the one thing that brings the united church together is that one thing. It is the message of Christ that he is the son of God that died on the cross for the remission of our sins, but then also we gather together for the mission. And what's the mission? To go through all the world and preach the gospel of Christ and make disciples of all nations. And so this morning I need you to understand the church itself is a vehicle. God Jesus himself says, I will build my church. And my church will have three things that they're gonna do. They are gonna minister to God which is our first responsibility. All the band, the worship, and everything we do here is for the audience of one. The worship isn't for you. It's for God. The songs we sing, well, I didn't like that song we sang today. That's okay. It's not for you. It's for God. Everything we do when we gather here is to minister to God. Why? Because God gave us that ability and capacity to worship Him. And God inhabits the praises of His people. Come on, somebody say amen. Second thing I want you to see is that the church exists for your encouragement, to instruct you, to encourage you. So we gather here. You hear a word to help challenge you, your marriage, your business, to get better, to get to new levels, to become a better version of yourself. Because as we find ourselves walking according to the principles of God, it will transform our existence and make us better. And thirdly, we exist for the world the the church isn't here for ourselves. We're here to make disciples in all nations or of all nations. And so I need you to to recognize there is a mandate that we have. There is a a call that God has given to us. There is a job that we have to do. And so many people have asked me during this pandemic, Pastor, when are we reopening the church? When is the church going to reopen? Listen, and, and I understand the question. I understand the heart that people are asking. When we opening the church? When is the church reopening? I, I get it, but I need you to understand today, the church never closed, because the church is not a building. Come on, somebody say it again. Say it again, Pastor. Say it again, Pastor. I need you to understand. The church is not a building. It's not a place. The church is a gathering of people. And so you can't shut down a people. You can't shut down a church. The church is not an organization. It's an organism. It's not a monument. It's a movement. And I need you to understand today, you can't shut down a place, you can shut down a place, but you can't shut down a people. The church of God will never shut down. The church will never close its spiritual doors because we will always operate as the church of God. You can't shut me down. You can't shut down this temple of the Holy Spirit. Each and every one of us are the temple. We carry the presence of God. And although buildings may shut down, you cannot shut down the church. Somebody say, Amen. In fact, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, I want you to see the, the, the creation of the church we find in Genesis 2 7. It says that the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground, and then he breathed, everyone say breathe, breathe life into man's nostrils, and the man became a living being. Did you catch that? that? That God formed Adam out of the dust of the ground, that it was just dirt, and then God blew into him. What made Adam a living being was the breath God shared with him. What brought Adam to life was the breath that was breathed into him. I'm here to tell you this, that Adam was designed, Adam was created, and we are in Adam's image as well. We were created and designed to carry the breath of God. Baby, you were designed, you were fashioned, you were, God, God created you for the purpose to carry the breath of God. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. In this very day, God is looking for people to breathe into. God is trying to get his breath back into mankind. When Adam sinned, the breath of God was taken back and man began to die. But I'm here to tell you this. When Jesus died on the cross and rose again in the day of Pentecost, the breath of God came back into all mankind. For those that were open, God wants to breathe in you today. God wants to breathe in you so you can't shut down the church. You can't shut. You can close our doors. You can tell us we can't sing, but we're going to still sing, we're still going to praise, we're still going to worship, because you can't shut this thing down. Somebody say amen. God just never, never wanted just to dwell in man or with man, God wanted to dwell in man. Let me say that again, God wanted to dwell in man, not just with man. God wants to dwell in you, not just be with you. We always pray, God, be with me today. I want to challenge you. Take your prayer to another level. No, don't, don't just pray, God, be with me today. Pray, God, be in me today. Holy Spirit, I make room for you, for you to dwell in me. As I go make this business presentation, as I raise my children, as, as, I, as I deal with this home education, as I deal with the sales presentation through Zoom, whatever it may be, God, dwell in me. In me today. You see, you can't shut down the church because the church is not a building, it's the bride. And I, I need you to understand this principle a little bit more. God never intended to live in buildings made by human hands. How do I know this? Because there are three different temples. Check this out three different temples in, in the Word of God that we, we find about historically. You had Solomon's temple. And then Solomon's temple was destroyed by the Babylonians because of Israel's disobedience and idolatry. And so after they returned from exile, Zerubbabel's temple was rebuilt, and then that one was dedicated to the Lord. Later later on, that one's destroyed as well. And then there's another temple that's rebuilt by the name of Herod's temple. That's the one that is erected during the time of Jesus, but that one ends up getting destroyed later on. God, why would God allow his temple to be destroyed? Why would God allow his temple to be destroyed? T- torn down because god doesn't dwell in buildings god dwells in man in fact even when the first temple was created second chronicles chapter 7 verse 21 these are god's words to the people that just built this audacious beautiful facility unto God god tells them this this temple will become a heap of rubble and all who pass by will be appalled and say why has the lord done such a thing to this land and to this temple what god God is saying, I don't give a rip about this temple. This temple is not important to me. What's important to me is that man's heart be committed to me. So you know what? You build this great temple for me. Thank you. I appreciate it. But if your heart is far from me, that temple doesn't mean a thing to me because buildings don't matter to me. People do. And so God is bigger than our buildings. We keep building bigger boxes. We keep building bigger things, bigger edifices to honor God. But I want you to understand that God is bigger than our buildings, bigger than your theology. He's bigger than your culture or your understanding. God is bigger than our religion. He's bigger than your concepts. God is bigger than your philosophy. My God is bigger. And every time I build a bigger box to hold God in, God tears it down and shows me that he's bigger than that box. Somebody say, amen. Acts seventeen twenty four says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord God of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. Did you catch that? God doesn't dwell in temples made by human hands. God never intended to live in a building. In the very beginning, he breathed into Adam and that breath, that living breath became a human being. I want you to know that God is still breathing today. He wants to live in people, not in buildings. He doesn't want to live in a in, in this building. I want you to know he wants to dwell and live in you. First Corinthians chapter six, verse 19. Don't you realize that your body, everyone say body, this right here, your body, Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of your temples are bigger, some are smaller, but you're still a temple. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to to you by God. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who lives in you and given to you by God, you do not belong to yourself for you are bought with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Your body doesn't belong to you. It's on loan. Listen to me. Well, I can do what I want to do. It's my body. It's my life. No, it's not. This body that you have was bought with a high price. You don't belong to yourself. God not only let you your breath, God also let you that body. And so whatever you do with that body, if you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior and Christ lives in you, the Apostle Paul is telling them this, listen, if Christ lives in you, then whatever you do, you're making Christ a partner with whatever you do. So if you're giving a business presentation and you lie to the people that you are giving that business presentation to, you are making Christ part of that lie. If you find yourself with a young lady or a young man that's not your husband or your wife and you end up having a sexual relationship with them and Christ lives in you, you are making Christ part of that sexual experience. You are making Christ part of that sin. I need you to understand the Holy Spirit dwells in you, not just with you. And so wherever you go, God is with you. I remember years ago, I I, I used to have a ministry where I was uh, bringing accountability out of Job chapter 38, verse 3. It was called the 38-3 project. And I I would meet with different players in the NFL, different executives, and and I would ask them this question out of Job 38-3. It says, gird yourself like a man. I will ask you questions and you will answer me. So it became an accountability ministry where I would ask seven questions. And in this process, there was a young man that I would meet with every week. And I told him, listen, tomorrow morning, you're going to get a knock at the door and you're going to have a visitor that's going to hang out with you all day tomorrow. He's going to show up first thing in the morning and he's going to be with you wherever you go. And he started cracking up. He goes, Who, who's going to show up? I said, Jesus. Jesus is going to show up in Body at your front door and he's going to go with you to practice. He's going to hang out with you throughout the day. He's going to go with you at night, wherever you go, whatever you do, Jesus is going to walk with you. And he started cracking up. He's like, man, pastor, that you scared me for a moment there. You have Jesus in the body show up with me. It scared him. And I asked him this, what would change in your life if you knew that Jesus was going to be with you every step? How would you drive to work differently? How would you deal with people differently? How would you uh, what you looked at on your phone, what, what things that you talked about with your friends. How would things change if you knew Jesus himself would be with you? And he started, he, he started sweating. He literally started sweating. He says, man, I don't know, that, that, that's, that's hard. That way I would change everything. There's places I wouldn't go, things I wouldn't say, things I wouldn't do. Then I told him this, if you've accepted Christ, then Jesus already lives in you. And so wherever you go, Jesus is there. Driving to work, he's there. At at, at work, he's there. The decisions you make, he's there. I need you to know the spirit of God is with you wherever you go. And if you wouldn't do certain things, if Jesus in person was with you, why do we do certain things when Jesus inside of us is with us? You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Be the church. Don't just come to church. Be the church. Be a church that Jesus would be proud of. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says this. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts. Let me read that again. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. And your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. I want you to know that God doesn't want to just visit you on Sundays he wants to have a habitation, not a visitation with you. God wants to set His dwelling place in your life. He wants to set His dwelling place with your family. He wants to set a dwelling place with your children. He wants to set a dwelling place in your marriage. He wants to be there in your business. He wants to be there in your recreation. He wants to be there with you at the gym. God wants to dwell with you. He doesn't want to just visit you. He wants to be with you each and every day. You see, the early church gathered around two things. They gathered around an event, the death and resurrection of Christ, and they gathered also regarding the mission. And that was to preach the gospel, to share it, to make disciples in all nations, of all nations. And so I need you to recognize the event was the resurrection of Christ and the mission was the great commission. So I want you to recognize something as we get ready to close this morning. I want you to see this. The resurrection of Jesus was something everyone knew about in Peter's day. In fact, the, the resurrection and the death of Christ was so publicized. If it had been on CNN or ABC or NBC or on Fox News, it would have been plastered all over the place. They would have still been talking about the death of Christ. They would have still been talking about the resurrection of Christ. It would have been headline news all over the place. You wouldn't be able to open social media without finding the story about how the empty tomb is still there or how people are going by the empty tomb and taking selfies because the event of the resurrection was something that could not be refuted all they had to do was produce a body the dead body of Jesus to kill this thing but they couldn't they couldn't find the body of Christ because Jesus had resurrected from the grave and so when people gathered together uh, 50 days after the resurrection 50 days after uh, the Passover they they gathered for what a, a party called the day of Pentecost and Pentecost was a day that the church or not the church but the Jews came together and it commemorated the first fruits, the first harvest and that was a big day for them. The harvest was a time of celebration and so when the first fruits came in, the first harvest started coming in. People came to Jerusalem and they celebrated and it also not only represented the first fruits, it represented also when Moses went up into the mountain after the children of Israel came out of Egypt where Moses received the Ten Commandments. The law was given. So Jesus Christ died on Passover. Now, 50 days later, he also ascends 40 days... uh 40 days earlier, and now that the, the, they gathered together in Jerusalem, waiting on the promise of the Father. And it just so happens on the day of Pentecost, on the day of the first fruit celebration, where Jerusalem is filled with people and people are gathered all around to see what's going on. And as they're celebrating the, the Passover, celebrating the law of Moses, all of a sudden the presence of God shows up in the upper room. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, It says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. All the believers. That's only 120 in those days. 120 people that believed in who Jesus was. 120 people that believed in Jesus' message. 120 people that believed that Christ raised from the dead and agreed with what he told them to do, to wait for the promise from on high. 120 people started a movement that is in the millions and billions today that twenty that tw- uh, over 2,000 years later is still going strong today. Why? Because 120 people believed in the, in the event of the resurrection and the message and the mission that God had placed them in. I'm here to tell you this morning, they gathered in one place. This is why it's important for us to come together to worship. This is why it's important for us to come together in one place. Because when the church comes together, when we gather, the congregation comes together, God shows up. And when God shows up, great things take place. Verse 2, it says, Then suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Verse 3, Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled. Everyone say filled. Filled with the Holy Spirit. And began... Speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. They didn't take Babel. They didn't learn uh, through, uh, through different um, uh, learn that new language by listening to a CD. Uh, God gave them the ability to declare his goodness in different languages. And what ends up happening as people, uh, they're, they're in the upper room, and as they begin to speak in these other languages, people are drawn by the noise, but they're held by the message. Let me say that again. They're they're drawn by the noise, but they stay because of the message. And they, they come together because they hear a sound. They're drawn by a sound, and then they stay because of the message. And the message that they hear all in their own language is the glory of God. As they're celebrating, everyone is beginning to speak in different languages and they think they're drunk. You see, there's a group of people that are always going to make fun of what God is doing. There's always going to be a group of people that are skeptical about what's taking place. They're going to make fun of what God wants to do in your life. But I want you to understand when they begin to make fun, Peter stood up, man, of all people, Peter stands up and says, Men of Galilee, these men are not drunk as you suppose. In other words, they're drunk. They're just not drunk like you think they're drunk. They're drunk not with wine. They're drunk with the Holy Spirit. We need a people today that are not drinking. They're not hitting the bottle. We need people today that are hitting the Holy Spirit, that are getting drunk and getting filled by the presence of God. We got enough people operating under the influence of uh, illicit drugs and alcohol But we need a people to rise up today that are being filled, that are under the influence of the Holy Spirit in the middle of COVID, in the middle of racial divide, in the middle of political unrest. I'm here to tell you that a people need to rise up. We need to gather together and we need a move of God of people that are under the influence of the presence of God. Somebody say amen. Jeremiah 31 verse 33 says, I will put my law within them and I will write my law on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. As Peter begins to preach, the people begin to come around and he preaches so powerfully. They look at him and say, what, what, what should we do? Because Peter tells them, the author of life came, the Messiah, and you killed him. And they were cut to the heart, the Bible says, and they said, what must we do? And Peter tells them, immediately, right after that, Peter tells them, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter tells them how to fix the problem. Capture this as I close. The Bible says that that day, verse 41, those who believed in what Peter said were baptized and added to the church. Everyone say church. Added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. What what do you mean? What church? 3,000 people were added to the church. What church? What gathering? The church meant to gathering, coming together, called out ones. Over 3,000 were moved by the message. They were drawn by a noise, but they were held by the message. And the message transformed them. It changed them. It caused them to make a change, to make a difference. I'm here to tell you today that the message has to change you. The message can't just draw you. Don't just be drawn by the noise. Be changed by the message. Be changed by the risen Christ. And when you find yourself being changed by the message then you can change the world because change people change people. As I close this morning, I need you to understand, 3,000 were added to the church, but there was no building. Come on, somebody, listen to me as I close. There was no building. There was no instruments. There was no worship team. There were no singers. There was no one collecting an offering. There was no choir. There were no pews. There, there were no greeters meeting you at the door, handing out Flyers of their church. There were no children's ministries, men's ministries, women's ministries. There were no individual ministries going on. They didn't have a kids' club that that wowed you and made you commit to that. No, they got together. They came together. It was just the message. It was just Jesus. It was just about Christ. And many times we choose churches based on what they can give us, not gathering based on the message, not gathering based on the transformation. I'm here to tell you stop coming to church, and let's become the church. Let's start walking it out. Let's start being who Jesus died on the cross for us to become. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that we can just have church. He died so you could transform your life and set you free from bondages. This is God's church. This is God's movement, and you are the church. Bow your heads with me right where you are this morning. God wants to live in you. Right where you are, I feel the presence of God here this morning in such a strong way. Right where you are, Heavenly Father, I pray for every person that's listening to the sound of my voice. Lord, I speak the name of Jesus right now to each and every one of them. I pray for those that are fearful right now, my God. Those that are confused. Those that are battling right now. Those, my God, that are battling depression, those that are battling anxiety, those that are struggling right now in the midst of everything that's going on right now, that are fearful of the future, my God, or wondering how are they gonna meet that next need. Lord, I thank you today that you love us, that you don't just wanna be with us, you wanna live in us. So I want you right now, just let's invite God to live in us again. With everything going on around us, you were never meant to be filled with anxiety filled with fear, filled with depression. God created you to be filled with his presence. Bow your heads right where you are. Just say this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I invite Jesus into my heart. I don't want to live filled with anxiety, fear, or depression, or doubt. I want to live in confidence and with the presence of God filling me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again. I believe that he's coming back for me someday. And I make a decision to be a follower of Jesus from this day forward. Holy Spirit, I make room for you now to live in me. Take my life and make me like Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit we pray, amen. Listen, if you said that prayer, believing with your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, the Bible says you and your family shall be saved. So I want you to do me a favor and text the word alive to the number on the screen. We have some people standing by right now that wanna reach out to you and help you out on this new walk in Christ. You may have been coming to the church for years and you may have said this prayer for the 100th time or the 200th time, but now you really feel like there's a change. I know some of you are feeling something new taking place inside of you because it's no longer about coming to church, it's about becoming the church. That let God dwell in you. He breathed into Adam and Adam became a living being. Some of you have a pulse, but you're not living with purpose. I want want you to know today, God wants to breathe in you to give you life and purpose today. So right where you are, just receive his presence and know that God loves you, God is with you today. I want you to know I love my church. I love you. I love your families. I love this this body. I love this fellowship. And I love the universal body of Christ as well. But until Jesus comes, we at CWC Bay Area, what are we going to do? We're going to love God. We're going to love people. And then we're going to change the world. Amen. God bless you today. You have a wonderful Sunday. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash CWC Bay Area.